0: FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome back to Castaway, FIS's freight and commodity podcast. Uh, This week we've got Kerry and Theo, you of course know those two fairly well by now. Uh, and we are also joined by Andrew Manner, our Fertiliser Derivatives Broker here in London. So first of all, into the main news of the week, then going into our market indexes of our main markets and a bit more in depth before following up with a kind of review of the last six months or so of what's been happening in the Fertiliser market and get all the uh, pearls of wisdom from our uh, resident Aussie Fertiliser Broker. So uh, that's what we've got for you today. So first of all, going into the news. Chuck Schumer, the Democrat leader in the US Senate, said that the party had agreed a $3.5 trillion budget to spend on infrastructure, climate change, healthcare, and other issues. The British government lifted all remaining COVID restrictions for England, uh, while the other nations in the UK still have some restrictions in place. China's economy expanded 1.3% in Q2, while exports uh, with exports growing 32% in June year on year. The EU revealed its plans to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 55%, By 2030, expanding the exchange trade system for carbon emissions and introducing a carbon border adjustment mechanism. Richard Branson went to the edge of space in Virgin Galactic Spaceship, VSS Unity, quickly followed by Jeff Bezos yesterday as well. Uh, Much to the... um, joking of Boston Powers fans out there, I'm sure. <laughs> and, um, exactly, exactly. Just, just before COVID coming on, can um, you picked up a news item. Yeah,
1: that on? is. I think uh, people should be watching the election situation in Peru, where it has just been decided that uh, Pedro Castillo is the winner of the presidential election. He is a self-proclaimed communist, has promised to nationalize all the mining and resource industries in the country. Given the size of Peru's Mass well the, the size of their mining industry in general particularly on silver and copper i think this is something to watch very closely in the coming months um it could have a major effect on metal prices that don't seem to be priced in just yet
0: sure. thank you carrie and uh in terms of market movements week on week so this is obviously tuesday 13th versus tuesday the 20th yesterday uh brent we've seen a, a kind of reversal of what we've seen over several weeks uh, down eight point nine two percent, ending sixty nine thirty six. Yesterday closing price of FIS report. Uh, the fuel oils, the Rotterdam three and a half percent down eight point three seven percent, three seventy thirty five below four hundred now. Sing three eighty also below $400. four hundred, three eighty three ten down seven point nine five percent at the point fives, four eight two ninety three on the rock point five percent down eight point four eight percent and the sing point five down seven point eight three percent, five o three point four three clinging. On above the uh, 500 level, there. Uh, The high fives also seen a reversal of what the trend we've seen over several weeks now. Uh, It was 123 on the uh, ROT high five, and now 113 down 8.13%, and the Singh high five down to 120 from 130 down 7.69%. So
1: some big moves down there on the oil and fuel. Uh, Kerry, what about the freight? Uh, oh, right again this week. Cape size 5 TC average at 29071 That's down $1,201 or 3.97%. The Panamax 4 TC average at 31064 That's down 2794 bucks or 8.12%. And Theo, what about the iron
2: ore? Uh, iron ore this week, we on week. get some public holiday in Singapore. So we're going by Monday to Monday, uh, Monday prior. Yesterday was... Uh, Plat 62% was $220.05, which is up $1.60 and uh, up 0.73% week-on-week. The fast market 65% was at $255.90, which is up uh, $4.90, 1.95% week-on-week. And the 65 versus the Plat 62 spread was uh, sold at $35.85, which is up $3.30, up 10.14% week-on-week.
0: And then to round off the last couple of products on this, the tankers, we've finally seen a bit more movement. Uh, TC2 down 2.9%, 111.94. Closing TC5, 90, up 1.2%. TD3C up uh, 0.2%, 31.55. And TD25 has finally moved, uh, up 1.2%, 70. (laughs) 83. There we go. After A little having bit of stuck movement. at 17 <laughs> for several weeks. Um, and then finally, our regular new feature on things looking at carbon. Uh, EUA future, that's European carbon contracts, was 53.11 euros, now 51.45, down 3.13%. But let's look into the kind of major mover of this week has been that oil product and products which have kind of slid off. We were all I think it was Goldman Sachs came out um, recently going, oh, it's going to be 80 by the end of the year. Yep. And then we've had the slide, a big movement, 7 8% on uh, crude and products. And and this is mainly being done on one concern of the increasing cases of Delta variant. We pulled up the, for us here, who couldn't see, we had a graph of the cases around the world and you could definitely see that <clears throat> third wave coming. Yeah. And this seems to have caused much concern. And then if you put on top of that, uh, well you've got about one hundred countries now which have that more transmission, transmissible uh, delta variant and although we have vaccine rollouts continuing at pace, there's still you know, not many countries who could could boast uh, significant coverage uh, compared to those that mm-hmm. don 't um, If you put on top of that the big news again of the OPEC deal, so we were talking about the problems that uh, were were happening internally between Saudi Arabia and the UAE of them wanting more. Uh, production uh, of their baseline and this argument of how they come out of this long-term period agreement to have reduced uh, their their supply. So they have agreed, and this has actually pushed forward their their date for continuing to to have this agreement uh, to the end of 2022. Uh, It had previously expired in April 2022. So the UAE seems to have been a, a winner in this. The country received a three hundred thirty-two thousand boost for its uh, base level production level, um, starting from May twenty twenty-two. But Saudi Arabia and Russia also granted um, half a million extra on their baselines. Iraq and Kuwait will get one hundred fifty thousand barrel rises themselves, which was the kind of surprise bit of the agreement. Everyone's a winner. Under the deal, yeah. the um, the 23-member group will um, ease production cuts by 400,000 starting in August, and that will amount to around 2 million barrels total increase by the end of the year, nicely reported by S&P Global Platform. Yeah, and there. that was a
1: little bit more than we had been expecting as much. So.
0: Yeah, so if you throw it together, oh, concern this Delta variant could prolong a return to proper normality, and also we're going to be increasing our supply, but it seems the market didn't quite <laughs> take so positively <laughs> to those things. <laughs> Um, so we, we've had a slide off and things, but I, I'm sure we will get towards uh, a more of a stabilisation now after that significant move. Monday was the big day where that all, all kind of collapsed into to pricing. And you can see what's been going on on that and the impact which has been on, um, on the fuels. So, of, co- of course, from the high year 70s down to below $70 on Brent. And now in terms of fuels, about 35 bucks you've lost on high sulfur fuel oil and 43 on very low sulfur fuel oil. <laughs> yeah, so a significant movements there. Um, but then moving towards the iron ore, Theo, what have we seen more in depth in that market this week?
2: Uh, iron this, with iron ore this week, uh, I've been watching the steel margins and the virtual steel margins still remain around 1,100, 1,200 RMB for the third week of July. So returning again to those high profits that we've seen mid May this year. Um, from today, we saw iron ore coming back from its uh, public holiday yesterday. There's a bit of a sale, sell off in today's session. And that's due to market concerns over uh, firmer commodity price controls and adverse weather affecting transportation and logistics. Uh, The government came out, the Chinese government that is, uh, had came out and set a target of 0% growth for crude steel for 2021 versus 2020. It was reported also by MySteel that uh, steel companies in China, in the Jingzhou province, have uh, received guidance to rein in the output from last year's levels in some mills, have started to arrange reduction plans. But these reports, as always, have not been verified since no one was cited on these. The uh, price control concerns relate to the latest announcement from the National Development and Reform Commission, uh, requesting local authorities to monitor and regulate prices for commodities. Uh, Weather-wise, in July, we've seen heavy rain in the north, causing flooding and a typhoon around the coastal cities. And on top of this, extreme temperatures around the middle parts of China which have reduced steel output operations. Today, actually, the Chinese president said that the flooding situation in Henan province is severe and urges officials to step up disaster relief measures. Uh, this week, also, we saw guidance figures from the big miners. Uh, Brazil's Vale has kept its annual production for 2021 on track with a targeted uh, guidance of 315 to 335 million metric tons, as compared to 300 during 2021. Uh, Barley also recorded a year-on-year growth of 12% to 75.7 million tons of iron ore output during Q2, and that's up uh, 11.3% from Q1 2021. Moving on to the Aussies, uh, BHP has reached the production target for iron ore and met coal during the fiscal year of 2021-2021. 2020, 2021. The iron ore production hits 284.1 million metric tons for the fiscal year 2021 ending on June 2021. That's one up. That's up one percent year on year, and uh, we're within the upper end of the guidance, which is 276, 286 million metric tons. Rio Tinto iron ore output in the second quarter was 75.9 million tons. That's down one percent from the previous quarter. In the first half of the year, the total output was 152.3 million tonnes, a year on year decrease of 5%. Uh, Rio Tinto said it expects to hit the lower end of the annual guidance, which was forecast to be around the 325 to 340 million tonnes. And that's pretty much around it, vinyl.
0: Cool. Thank you, Theo. And freight, like iron ore, has uh, slid off this week, hasn't it, Kerry? What, what's causing well, that? Well,
2: you know, the Cape
1: size market seemed to want to find a floor at several points in the past week, but it's consistently struggled to hold that floor. Uh, last Thursday, rumors of improved rates on the C5 prompted a strong bounce on the paper that largely held through Friday and Monday before losing a bit of steam on very quiet trading yesterday. It was a Singapore holiday yesterday, I should note. The physical market finally seemed to find some solid footing on Monday with a sharp jump on the C5 rates as Aussie majors rushed to fix before the Singapore holiday, and rates on the C5 jumped up to $11.45, heard done for early August dates. Brazil has been looking a bit healthier for the back end of August. We see bids well above the $25 per metric ton mark, um, with some suggestions that balusters for later in August could be in short supply. Oddly, the Baltic indices were marked down again, though, yesterday against very thin activity, I should say, Um, although we are once again seeing paper edge up today with August trading up at 36,000, according to FIS Live and Q4 at 34,750. So a bit of a mixed view, bumping along uh, a potential floor, I would say, uh, for the last week on those capes. The Panamax is once again ground lower during the week on physical, even despite the Pacific Basin finding some support on the physical market towards the end of last week. This was despite the fact the paper had been moving in the opposite direction all week, making steady gains. A feeling that support could be found was fleeting, however, and by Friday, the pack rounds were already being marked down again on the Baltic indices. The Atlantic Basin also took a turn for the worse, particularly on Monday, despite fairly high volumes of fixing. While mineral cargos are busy, we probably need to see more grain cargos to really turn things around, uh, especially a few grain front hauls would be very useful right about now. A few cargos were seen out of East Coast South America, and a marginally positive P6 yesterday up 50 bucks gave the market some hope. Uh, once again, we see the nearby paper gating with August up a 1,000 this morning at 33,375 on FIS Live, while Q4 is marginally up at 28,100. Thank you, Kerry. Uh, moving on, of course, to our main
0: feature of the week. And uh, I guess a point of note, which I've realised <laughs> since we started, that we are actually perhaps the for the only time <clears and throat> maybe huh. uh, to notice that we are majority Australian on the podcast. Are we majority Australian? We're, majority or we're, 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 we're 50% Australian. we 50% Australian. <laughs> take Florality, exactly. Australian. The warning was was before here. <laughs> but anyway, we have of course Andrew Manor here to talk about our fertiliser market. And yeah. why well, let's start like we do with all of these products for the people who have no idea what's going on when we introduce uh, some more of the uh, these different products, not our, our kind of standard set of ones. The the basics, so what is a fertilizer, what are the main contracts that
3: trade uh, and what are those products gonna be used for? Sure, and thanks very much for having me on. Chris, always happy to give insight for those listeners that might not uh, follow the fertiliser market too closely. So I mean, just as a general sort of overview, we cover seven different semi-clear fertiliser contracts. There's four urea contracts, sort of everyone's favourite and the most traded product that we do. Um, so there's a New Orleans, a Middle East and Egypt Brazil contract for urea. Um, we also have two phosphate contracts being New Orleans DAP and a Brazilian MAP contract. Well as a New Orleans UAN contract, so that's you know, exposed to the US domestic market and the rest the international market, which is sort of what I cover. So plenty of different options there for people to get exposed to to markets to trade those sort of markets.
0: Cool. And those kind of products, what are they used for? So a lot of a lot of acronyms of. DAP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So U-A-N. I mean, probably a bit too
3: much to cover as sort the, of the more scientific or specific mm. of, of fertilizer in the podcast. Um, but I'm sure we can post some stuff to, to access that for, for people that are more interested in that. Um, but yeah, I guess as you say, it's a more probably a, still quite a niche market, I guess, the fertilizer market. And you find that the main participants in that are the physical players. So your producers, your trading houses, and your imported sort of end users, um, they're obviously hedging their positions and trading timeframes that they don't uh, get exposure to on, on the physical market. But you know, what we're seeing here at FAS, obviously our sort of very client base is we do see these inquiries from non-traditional type players sort of inquiring into the market and looking to get exposure to the market. So something we're always focused on here is looking to build out that, that market with
1: with players a little different. Exactly, right? exactly. And we do get inquiries from financial players on this as well, looking for exposure occasionally on this market. Um, it's certainly, you know, hitting sort of potential critical mass for, uh, yeah, for financial players right. getting involved as well. Exactly.
0: Cool. And then in terms of price movements, so since the end of last year, uh, what have we seen in
3: kind terms of these these main markets uh, price-wise? I've well, I mean, got a, a table here in front of us I, I sent the guys before of, you know, where the prices were left on the last index of 2020 versus last week's print has there's a, there's a pretty clear trend there across I mean, all markets. I guess I mean, we saw sort of a bull run from the end of Q4 across all fertiliser markets, um, and it, which has sort of continued through the first half of, of 2021 as well. Some sort of key standouts of the, of the major indices there, the Arab Gulf or, or Middle East contract. Is up 81%, 81.23% from the last print of 2020 to, to 48, uh, $487.5 last week. Um, Noluria is up 77% uh, to the last print of four hundred thirty five fifty. And then some, some standard numbers there, I guess you see that UAN's up 12353 Yeah, and That sort of UAN played a bit of catch up um, to price quite stable there through the back end of, of 2020 and Q4, Q4 2020. Um, and we saw the sort of urea run ahead, and sort of started to realise, hang on a second, yeah, UAN being nitrogen-based um, fertiliser product that you know, on, on a nutrient basis, um, UAN was, was quite underpriced there. So we saw that more. That's why that sort of that, that percentage change a little higher this year is that sort of played to catch up there on and,
1: Andrew, I mean, what would you say are the the major influencing factors on these prices? I mean, if we look at macro trends, obviously all asset classes, particularly commodities, particularly energy and ag markets have been moving higher. Um, I mean, is is this just part of that broader trend?
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that to a large extent has, has played a big role in this. I guess I was saying for. has. Is it technically a post pandemic recovery or are we mid recovery? Or um, Obviously, with, with the commodities boom that we've seen in, in 2021, fertilizer has been, has been caught up in that, in that rise to some extent. Um, as you say, energy markets, higher high prices for natural gas being a feedstock for, for um, fertilizers, as well as the ag economics um, of higher grain prices, sort of giving that, that headroom for fertilizer prices being an input cost, it's, you know, farmers, the end users got more money to, yeah. to pay the fertilizer, um, and course, another one there being, yeah. being freight. That's um, right.
1: These are price delivered, aren't they? So, so, there, yeah. is, so
3: there is both a mix of FOB and, and delivered contracts. So those delivered markets have obviously risen as that price of, of the cost of freight's been pushed onto the, to the end user. But yeah, just, I mean, just to add on that as well, I guess that there has been those macro trends, but there has been some more specific uh, stories you know specific to the fertilizer industry, which have, have caused some 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 trends. I guess one of those big stories in, in urea in particular would be China. Um, we saw you know, in the first half of this year a real absence of China from from the market. They typically can be quite a large yeah. exporter, um, but during their winter season, they, they sort of had um, you know, production rates at fifty percent capacity. Um, they were diverting gas to, to the energy consumption. Um, they were to any generation. Sorry, um, there was also on production due to pollution levels in China, but essentially you know, reduced reduced production on China's behalf. <clears throat> then their domestic agricultural season kicked yeah. in, so that was certainly in that market. Uh, and then, you know, we've seen through Q2, you know, and a level on top of that is that you know the Chinese government trying to control commodity prices, fertilizers got caught up in that, speculation that there's going to be export taxes um, and there's been a lot of hesitancy from, from Chinese producers to enter that export market. So um, their supply essentially not, to, to a large extent, not been in the market yeah. this year, which has caused tightness um, in other areas. But there's like- also been quite a lot
1: of demand from India, hasn't
3: there? Yeah, so I mean, everyone in the fertilizer market loves talking about India, um, you know, it's- kind of takes everyone's attention for about half of the year. Um, so we saw it sort of tied tied in what would have been a seasonal lull, I guess people probably expected a bit of a drop-off or a correction at the end of Q1. But um, you know India's set for another another strong year, another good, good monsoonal rain, demands looking strong in India and we've seen them come back to the market and you know they've got a, a you know a strong you know purchasing program through Q3. With China out of the market, they've sort of missed their targets. Yeah, what they've needed to procure in, in successive tenders, and we've seen that sort of you know, that continued purchasing program that really support the market to, up till today.
0: And the big question, of course, is one that's been affecting currency markets for what seems like an eternity no. now. Um, what kind of impact is, has COVID had on the? Fertilizer markets, yeah.
3: I mean, obviously, we saw as you know, as there's macro trends driving all markets, we saw fertilizer you know, sort of depressed through Q2 2020 when the, the pandemic initially kicked off. But to some extent, um, you know, it was as an asset, plastic, it was, physical trade was protected to some extent, being, I know, mean, so such a political, politically sensitive and important um commodity for food security. Um, all some issues with um, you know, shipment, you know, ships were delayed, especially yeah. in India, when India had. Um, and the COVID kicked off there. There was issue with, with uh, stopping in the port there, um, but to a large extent, largely unscathed. And I think um, pretty clear from from the price trend this year that you know, the prices haven't been been weighed down by the by uh, the COVID pandemic.
1: In terms of some of the recent temperatures and uh, extreme weather in the US and Canada. Have you seen this having a major effect on the prices as well? We, I
3: mean, we have, yeah, as I said, that's a good good question, Kerry. And we've seen our clients trading based on those, those fundamentals of temperature and what gas prices and energy prices are doing in the United States. Um, we saw at the start of the year the, the wild weather in, in Texas when there's the deep freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we saw gas diverted away from, from fertilizer production in the US, which caused a spike in prices there would to an extent expect a similar thing to happen now in summer we're seeing extreme um, temperatures, you know, gas being towards you know yeah
2: <clears throat>
3: that story. But um you know the US is now entering a, a sort of off season so how it's gonna too effective as we, as we might, but it's, it's something to keep an eye out on, yeah, yeah for sure. I think.
1: yeah you know, always something to and- come into. One last question from my end i mean you've mentioned several times the effect of gas diversions on fertilizer production and there is of course a correlation there sure. isn't there uh, do you want to explain maybe for some listeners who may yeah, not be aware us. of those correlations how that works yeah so i guess for those not listening the main, main production of urea being that the, the most the most traded fertilizer
3: contractors so we've got four urea contracts that we trade um you know, natural gas is the main feedstock to produce ammonia which in turn is used to produce um, yeah to reduce Urea, so obviously being an input to the production of the fertilizer, there's going to be correlation there between the gas prices and uh, the end fertilizer price.
0: And then, obviously, completely your own opinion and disclaimers apply. But um, looking forward in the rest of this year, we're we're, you know just over halfway through the the year. What do you think is going to be coming into the end of Q4 with the potential prospect of COVID opening things up again? All the weather and, and things we've mentioned earlier as
3: well. Yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of general I mean, commodity markets, I guess that the, the consensus is that we will see these elevated prices across across markets. In, in a fertilizer specific um, aspect, I think in Urea in particular, we're seeing a little more caution towards that more deferred market. As I said, China's returning to the market, I guess, is, um, is the, the big one to watch out for, I guess. And we're seeing this week sort of speculation that in this next Indian tender that's upcoming, that China's going to be um, you know, offering more cargoes or potentially offering more cargoes than I was expecting. There's also new production, this is for the area there's more production coming online in, in Africa um, and I guess sort of that seasonal lulls of, of those purchasing rounds and, and buying season sort of coming to an end. So Q4 is a little more uncertain, we're obviously seeing that in the, in the curve, we're seeing a lot of through into Q4 and into Q1, Q2. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm not going to be the one to call the top of this market because if you look at numbers, it's um, yeah, been yeah. one-way traffic this year.
0: So elevated, but we're just waiting to see whether any yeah. of these new streams and whether the old streams just kind of come back on and start exactly. to reduce exactly. these prices exactly. back down to more normal. Exactly. Reason,
3: reason for caution, but yeah, it's not the end, of, I don't think we're at the end of it just yet. Maybe there's a future in politics for you yet, <laughs> Answer the question Did you answer, quick? Yeah, yeah. Cool.
0: <laughs> but then um, we were talking, Kerry. You were highlighting the fact that this is a has been a growing market, and we're almost at that stage of of really starting to push all these new players exactly. financially. Well I think, things. given those
1: correlations that you can find with the gas, it's it's obviously an interesting product for people who are already engaged in that side of the industry. Um, And uh, for people who trade both energy and ags, it's sort of crossover products. so Yeah, yeah just, I just add on that as well. I mean, we've
3: seen from a lot of our more speculative type traders, that between the grain markets as well. Yeah, um, grains right, are really driven. I mean, the sentiment in the grain markets has sort of been a good leading indicator of what's happening in the fertilizer markets. So, so I, th- I think it offers this interesting range of correlations. Yeah.
0: Mm, or cool. interesting, no, another product to add to the interesting range that we have across the exactly, world of, of the exactly as well. Um, Any questions from you, Theo, before we kind of finish up the week?
2: No, I'm all good over here in Singapore.
0: No. Well, I mean, COVID restrictions. Yeah, that was there. (laughs) most strenuous exercise.
2: Yeah, just taking it easy.
0: Uh, but yes, no, thank you very much, Andrew, for coming to give us a, a little bit of uh, an insight into what's happening in the fertilizer markets. And uh, of course, anyone want to trade or anyone looking for a bit more information can contact him directly uh, at freightmaster. at com. But to uh, our usual guest, Kerry and Theo, thank you for joining us again this week. Cheers, guys. And to everyone listening, do join us again next week.